Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. As I've been thinking about our podcast, just on a podcast note, I've we do a lot of episodes, and it's probably unsustainable to do this many, these many episodes. And as I'm thinking about 2024, I'm considering um, focusing on LGBTQ stories. That's really the purpose of this podcast. It's the heart of this podcast. And we've had so many wonderful non-LGBTQ stories, and they're brave and vulnerable and very helpful, and I've learned so much. But just from a perspective of sustaining this podcast, um, so I can continue to do it and manage um, the podcast, and I'm thinking of, in 2024, doing um, LGBTQ-related stories. That could be LGBTQ members, it could be allies, it could be parents, but it's kind of a focus on this really important topic in our faith. So just sharing with you how I'm feeling as we're approaching 2024. Um, But today's podcast, let's shift gears and introduce um, our guest. It's my friend, Sean Stansberry, joining me from North Carolina. Welcome to the podcast, Sean. Thank you. Um, Sean is 21. He's a recent convert to the church. He joined in April of 20. 21. He joined um, when he was 19, roughly. He's planning on serving a full-time mission. Um, He's been endowed and loves going to the temple. He lives in New Bern, North Carolina. Um, He's currently a college student thinking about transferring perhaps to um, Southern California or even BYU-Idaho. He's in a branch. He's in a YSA branch in the New Bern, North Carolina area. Um, Sean is going to talk about being SSA and in the church. And um, just to comment on SSA, one of the things I try to do is just let my guests define how they identify. And some will identify as SSA, some as gay, some as queer. And I just felt my job as an ally is to let people identify as they choose and to support that. And so he's going to share his story as an SSA new convert to the church and Sean and I have been visiting for about 15 minutes. This is a really brave young man um, to join the church, to get a testimony of the church, to be honest about his sexual orientation. He's out on Facebook. Um, He's out in his YSA branch, and that is really brave, but that can be kind of choppy. Some people can be supportive and understanding why Sean's out, other people um, perhaps feel differently. And so Sean's kind of walking the complicated road and he's really brave, and I'm glad to have him on the podcast so he can share his story. And um, we said a prayer before we started, and I just hope Sean's story is helpful to you. If you're um, LGBTQ, SSA queer, if you're a parent, if you're a local leader, you're just someone that cares about creating Zion so that somebody brave like Sean, who's joined the church, feels welcome and needed and a sense of belonging and and can contribute in beautiful and unique ways. So. Is that okay for an introduction, Sean? Yes. And we will turn it to you. You're up to share your story, Sean. Thank you so much, Richard. So in 2021, I reached out on Facebook because I was in a Christian Facebook group, and I noticed there was like a post about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and I clicked on the ad, and it took me to this website. I didn't know what to think of it, so I started digging deeper and deeper, and I reached out to the person that posted the ad, and he directed me to two missionaries in my area. This was during Corona, so everything was shut down, closed, so we had to do stuff through Zoom, and it was chaotic, but after he he contacted me to the other missionaries in my area, they reached out to me. And then we started talking. And a few days later, we decided to have a Zoom meeting. And they um, teach me the first lesson and preach my gospel. And I felt the spirit automatically when they started teaching it. And a few days later, they met me in person to give my copy of the Book of Mormon. I didn't know what the Book of Mormon was until they handed it to me. And they had a sticky tab 
on the chapter about Jesus coming to to the Americas. And once I started reading that, the spirit came over me stronger and stronger. And then a few days after that, we started Zoom meetings again and learning about the plan of salvation and the commandments and tithing and all of that. And within two and a half weeks, I got baptized on a Friday. They were surprised I wanted to get baptized so early. I was like, I'm ready. I want to get this over with so I can be a member of the church. And after I got dunked on the water, I just felt like a refreshment of who I am as a person. I really didn't have, I didn't really have a religion before I joined the church. I just knew I was Christian. I knew some things about the Bible, but after I got baptized, I noticed my knowledge of the Bible became clearer and more understandable. And then after my baptism, we went back to sit in the primary room because in our ward, we do baptisms in the primary room because our ward is so small. And my bishop welcomed me to the church. And then some of the missionaries from other areas came to my baptism. And some of the elders gifted me with the Holy Ghost. But due to Corona, they couldn't lay my lay their hands on my head due to restrictions. So that was a unique experience. Then a week after that, I got sustained as a member of the church in front of my board. And then a few weeks later, I was able to get the Iwanit priesthood, which that felt so good. And that Sunday, I was able to be able to bless Sabrina for the first time. And I messed up a few times, so I had to re-say the prayer for the bread. And I kind of felt bad I messed up, but the Spirit reassured me what I needed to do for the Sabrina. And after I blessed the Sabrina, the young man was able to take the bread and pass it along to the members. And after they came back, and after the sacrament was over, someone came to me and said, you have a bright spirit in you. And I got teary-eyed after they said that. And the, a few weeks later after that, we had a youth temple trip to do baptisms for the dead. And we went inside the temple and everything like left my body, all my worries, all my stresses and my anxiety left my body. And when we got into the baptistry to change, I was, after we get changed, we were able to start baptizing people. But somebody from the first presidency, of the, not first presidency, but the temple presidency, came and talked to us and after that I was like the third person to be able to dump people underwater so that was a good experience for me and people the young men noticed that I was happy after I changed into a jumpsuit ready to baptize people for the dead and it took about like an hour or an hour and a half but at first I messed up saying what we needed to say when we baptized people for the dead. But after we got done baptizing people for the dead, after we changed, after I walked out of the temple, everyone congratulated me on how well I did inside the water. But after we got done with the baptism, one temple worker came to me and said, you have a bright spirit inside you. And I was like, thank you. And it was very emotional to hear that from a temple worker that doesn't even know me. But that was a true experience for the first time to be able to witness the temple. And instead of hearing about the temple, stepping foot on the temple grounds and uh, the temple in Wally is very small. 
but it's beautiful on the outside and the art is very symbolic. All the paintings in there, but like it strengthened my testimony stronger. And after we left, coming back on the way back, the spirit we assured me like church is true and that and after that my testimony grew a lot after that. Um, just a comment, um, Sean, I've heard conversion stories. This is, you may have gotten the most done in the shortest period of time of any story I've heard, um, you know, fr- from getting baptized to getting the priesthood to passing the sacrament to going to the temple um, to be a baptizer in the temple. You're very brave because you didn't grow up seeing all this. It's not like you were your whole life watching people bless the sacrament and seeing older brothers go to the temple and talk about this. And this is all completely new. It's so brave of you, um, you know, and, and to not be perfect, to just be willing to keep trying blessing the sacrament and not saying the prayer perfect. And that can be kind of awkward. And, but I sense you're really brave and say, I don't need to be perfect to be a member of this church and I'm just doing the best I can. And hopefully you're, you know, and I love these people that say you have a bright spirit and how helpful that is to you because you do. You're also kind of the first person I've ever met that's told me their conversion story during the middle of coronavirus. And um, we learned a lot about social media as a church and missionaries. And here you are, you know, responding to a Facebook message and then meeting with the missionaries via Zoom. And so a, a fair amount of your testimony started before you even met physically with the missionaries. And so I hope, I love that we're taking the ability to connect with people through social media now that even coronavirus is over. Because there's other John Stanberries out there that are would like to join the church and maybe their first contact will be just kind of like you. Go back to the Holy Ghost. The, some of our listeners may may wonder just, because I think you said that because you're in the middle of coronavirus, there's no physical contact. So um, if I understood correctly, the missionaries gave you the Holy Ghost in a circle with the priests. But is it true? Did no one put your hand, their hands on your head? No. Um, so... One missionary at first started to put his hands on my head, but they had to stop because due to the rule that the church came out with or something like that. But there was like five people around the circle and it was very different because they told me before Kumana they were able to put hands on people's head for people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But for me, it was a different situation. But everybody was wearing masks besides me because I got out of the water and changed into my regular clothes. But it was very different compared to the bat- the baptisms now that the missionaries can lay their hands on top of people's heads to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you got the Aaronic Priesthood, did they put their hands on your head, or was it the same as the Holy Ghost? Um, so when I got the Aaronic Priesthood, they were able to put their hands on. They were able to put their hands on my head, since it was only two people, and I got the Aaronic Priesthood in my bishop's office. So it was like a cloak a um, smaller area that was able to do some stuff that wasn't able to be done in a bigger setting in the church building. So that that's a kind of a sub-story here, but, you know, listeners, I've never heard of anybody receiving the Holy Ghost without hands being on their head. And then I think to myself, well, is there any doctrine that says hands have to be on the head? And I don't think there is. I think it's, you're stating the priesthood. Um, I, the doctrine is people that, you know, have the Melchizedek priesthood and are authorized to give someone the Holy Ghost do that. 
and they state the authority, they state Jesus Christ, and it's authorized by the local priesthood leader or the mission president in this case, since you're a new convert. And so I've never heard anything that listeners, but when I hear something I haven't heard before, I think, what is the underlying principle when something changes a little bit? Just like when women are allowed to witness things in the temple um, and we change things like that. So I don't expect our church will start um, a new plan of people receiving the Holy Ghost, not by laying on of hands. So this was an exception, but to me, the ordinance is valid. And um, obviously you have the Holy Ghost and it's just an interesting little sub story in your whole story and adapting for coronavirus. And um, so I like that part of your story. And anyway, but back to your real story. So back to the sort of the main story, I'll, unless you want to comment any more on that, I'll let you keep talking. So, so since I was night. 19, when I joined the church, and I was still in high school my senior year, I was able to be part of the youth group, which the youth group, it was very fun to be with them. And what was funny about the youth group, everyone had their own personality and story and their journey of growing up in the church. And for me, coming in as a new convert, not knowing how the youth group works and all of that. So the so Wednesday, on Wednesdays, we had youth activities from 6.30 to 8. And my um, first bishop um, talked to me aside from everybody else to tell me how the youth group works and stuff. And I felt better after he told me that. But I got so close with some of the youth, especially the young men, because I was able to relate to them in certain ways. One of them played baseball and um, others didn't play baseball. And it was just a good time to get to know, know people. They were all happy that I joined the church. And that summer, after I joined the church, we had youth conference at this place called Eagle's Nest, where people from the stake at the time, so the stake I'm part of now is different since um, the higher ups in the church um, kind of moved woods around in different states and changed states and all of that. So when I went to youth conference, there was a lot of stuff we could do, play like dodgeball and activities, and then we walked a trail. It was like a mock trail, the iron water. We were blindfolded and we had to keep our hands onto the iron water, which that was fun. And if we let go, we had to start from the beginning, which some people let happen too. And after we did some activities, we went back and sat down to hear from the Wally mission president and his wife at that time, and they're from Brisbane, Australia. So it was very cool to hear people from Australia talk. And they told us that it's very important to serve a mission and that we need to prepare ourselves to serve a mission. If we didn't think about serving a mission or we all going to serve a mission. And the Mission president and his wife, their daughter actually served a mission in the mission that they oversaw for a short period of time. And then after we left the conference, the day before that, we went to a park in Raleigh, North Carolina to eat food. And that was today. Again, we did baptisms for the dead, which I felt better because I knew what to do, so I didn't mess up on what I said when I was in the water, which that really made me feel good about myself to not mess up. I'm really a person that doesn't mess up on things, but when new stuff comes, I kind of mess up at the beginning. But once I get used to it, I don't mess up on things. But the so during Corona, in the 
more so the youth. Every other Sunday we had young men's and then young women's class. So the young men's went in one room, young women's went in one room. And during young men's class, we had to wear masks. So that didn't seem like it should have been there, but it was there to prevent from everybody from getting sick. And we did a lesson. I forget what the lesson was about, but I think it was about the Holy Ghost. And after the lesson was over, I felt the Holy Ghost tell me that you're doing the right thing of attending church and partaking of the sacrament. And after I left church that day, I felt so good about myself. But the youth overall impacted my life so much that I wish I was able to go back to youth group because it went so fast. I was able to only stay in youth group from April until the following January since I was, because I moved to the adult Sunday school and Elders Coma. And I just think the youth group, you learn a lot from the youth. Then we do older memories. Keep sharing your story. I love just hearing your journey in the church. So a year after I became a member, it was time for me to get ordained as an elder. So during state conference, or after state conference was over that day, my first bishop that welcomed me into the church ordained me as an elder in the church, which that made me feel so good. And then after I got ordained as an elder, I had to get all my temple clothes and undergarments from the church store online. And some of, of, of the stuff was on back order because church distribution didn't have the stuff yet. The pants were the big, biggest thing that held me up from getting my endowment, but come to find out that at the temple they had pants that I was able to wear. So that eased my mind. So on the way to the temple to get my endowment, so my first bishop and his wife took me to my endowment but we had a different bishop at that time, but I wanted my first bishop to take me to my endowment because I had a close bond with him and I still have a close bond with him. But after we arrived at the temple, the one thing that really touched my heart, the missionary that baptized me was able to be there with his companion as I went fully through the temple. But before I got my endowment, I had to meet with the, one of the temple presidency people and they um, interviewed me and asked me if I had any questions and I had questions and they answered my questions in the most polite way and the spirit filled the room in the temple office and after I met with the temple office people, I had to go get a get um a new name and then after that I got um anointed and and blessed and then after that I was able to go in the room where we do the actual endowment and after that first part of the endowment we went to the next room. And the next room had the most beautiful paintings on the wall. I was more focused on the paintings for a few minutes than I was the actual endowment ceremony. But after I saw the paintings in the room, I, I started to get back on track with the endowment ceremony. And how the Wally Temple is set up, there's three rooms that represents each kingdom of heaven. And the second room has, so the second room has the veil, but there's a curtain over the veil after we do some stuff. And then after we do the stuff that we're supposed to do for endowment, the curtain opens and one of the timber workers 
points on the veil, this and that. And after that, they tell us how to proceed to the veil and what to do after the veil. And one of the temple workers helped me go through the veil because it's a lot of information to take in for the first time. I felt so overwhelmed. But after I went through the veil, we were able to go to the celestial room where we could sit and just feel the spirit and think about our life. And after I got done going through the veil and getting to the celestial room, the one, the elder that baptized me came and gave me a big hug. And then I started crying because I felt the spirit so strongly. That going to the temple is the only time that I can feel the spirit strongly without getting criticized or judged or getting looked down on. But after that day, the next day I was, I felt like a spiritual overload and I was, I kept thinking about what I learned. And a few days later, I was able to take in what I learned that day of my endowment. It was like two and a half hours for my endowment because of Corona stuff. And we didn't have to wear masks in the temples at that time, thank God. But the preparedness I did to prepare myself for my endowment, I partook of the sacrament every Sunday. I read my scriptures. I fasted a couple of times. I paid my tithing a couple of times. And after a year from my endowment, April of July of 2022, one day on July 4th, I decided I wanted to express my identity as SSA and I posted a post on Facebook. And it was like July 4th, Independence Day, no other better day to come out and with your identity and a few minutes later I started getting all these likes and comments and like my phone was like blown up with comments and likes and we were so some people from my church picked me up to go to a firework show downtown where I live and after that day the following Sunday I came to church and there was a few people that gave me a hug and said we supported you and we care about you and we love you. And at first I thought they meant that sincerely, but over time that changed and I and over time I got a text from people from my church and it really hurt me. So I had reached out to my state president to see what I could do to ignore the pain and attacks that I got from some people in my church. But he was able to help me overcome the challenges with that. But some of the members of my church was very loving and they actually talked to me about how I felt, how I felt about church doctrine, how I felt about church, church policies the handbook and after I came out a few months later I was able to do a war temple trip with the eldest form to do my first proxy endowment and it felt good to be in a temple that cares about you and loves you for who you are without judging you and the thing I like about the temple is Everybody wears white in the temple, so you can't see who's poor or rich or don't have a lot of money or has a lot of money. It's a big support system in the temple that you can feel love, especially the way I am. It felt good that I could be in a temple where I could just be me without getting judged or criticized in a celestial room. I shut my eyes and just felt the spirit talk to me and I talked to Heavenly Father through prayer and he reassured me that 
I'm a child of God and he loves me and to not take anything to heart that of what someone would say to you that is weird or upsetting or hopeful that one day it will get better in the church for you. And so since I came out like that, um, so after I moved out of youth group, I was able to go to elder school and Sunday school. And some parents got in the way of my social interaction because I have friends in youth group and I have one best friend from young men's that he used to come over to my house all the time on Sundays. I would go to his house sometimes. We would go down and play Pokemon Go and come to find out there was one person in my world that really destroyed my friendships because they said that due to my age, I wasn't able to be friends with my friend anymore, which really helped me. But age doesn't matter when you're in a small ward and you need support and friends and social interaction with others around you. So after that, I stopped going to church for a few weeks because it got so emotional and I I was hurting so bad. And my mom thought it was a good choice for me to stop going to church for a few, few weeks so it could calm down. And this happened when I got a new bishop. This didn't happen when my old bishop was bishop. But when my new bishop came along, stuff got worse and worse for me, but at the end before my oh my new bishop came along, I was we were able to talk things through and we were able to understand each other. But the youth still had a resentment towards me because of what they heard or said to their leaders about me. And that summer we have Founders Day at a park, and the YSA from my state got invited to come celebrate Founders Day and each eat lunch with us and do stuff that pertains to Founders Day, such as family history stuff, and just talk. And I was able to introduce myself to some of the YSA people, and at that time, we had a different YSA bench president and he was very supportive. And since I wasn't able to drive at that time, the next day, which was a Sunday, someone came from the YSA bench to pick me up so I could go to the YSA bench where it is in my area. And it felt so weird sitting down in pews with the room empty because we only have 25 YSAs, and it's a military branch. So people come and go who are in the military. Some are active duty, some just stay in the branch because they're non-military people. And we had a few service missionaries that were in the branch and military relation missionaries. But the military relation missionaries were were able to understand where I was coming from and I, I appreciate their support. But now the branch has new military relation missionaries that I haven't met yet, which I'm gonna meet sometime. But since we we have a new branch president, me and this branch president has has banged heads a little bit, but we're getting through stuff and understanding what we should do to be better as a church and be better members without being hypocritical or judgmental. And the YSA branch, at some times I felt ups and downs in trying to be myself, even though the church teaches Everyone needs to be straight. You can only be married to a man and a female, and you can't be participating in unchaste behavior. We have to obey the law of chastity 
and the word of wisdom, which I felt fine understanding that. And I understand, I kind of understand why the church is the way it is, because we are still receiving revelation from the Lord through his living prophet on the direction the church needs to go in. And now, since the YSA branch is more welcoming towards me, I feel more included and cared and loved. And some people reach out from the branch, and there was one person that was at the branch before they got married, and they were able to help me with what I had on my mind. And he was able to give me advice. And after after they got married, they got they they moved to the family wars since they were married. So in the YSA branch, well, I have learned that you can't be married and go to the YSA branch at the same time, and that I understand that part. And I think it's good that people can't stay in the YSA branch forever because you got to move on and have a family and be part of the family ward. But sometimes I think it's okay to have older people in the branch just in case if you need certain knowledge on doctrine principles and what's going on in the church and what we can do to be better members of the church without spreading hate and hypocritical stuff. And a few months ago, I started to fill out my mission papers, which it's been a progress. So there's some things that is holding me up from going on a mission. I still have my braces. So when I joined the church, I first started my braces treatment. And it's been two and a half years now, which two more appointments, I will have my bottom braces off. Now I have my top off. So after my braces come off, I'll be able to go on my mission. But I still have to still do some stuff like the medical paperwork. But I've been preparing so hard to go on a mission. I've been trying to go to the temple as much as I can to make sure the spirit is still with me. And I continue to read my scriptures, even though it's a lot to take in and the language on how the King James Version is written. So I have to kind of look at different resources when it comes to scripture. And I have watched a lot of general conference talks, especially from Elder Holland. He's very Christ-like and spiritual-minded when it comes to missionaries wanting to serve a mission. I think for people that want to go on a mission is whatever the adversary is trying to do to you to not give up. Always lean on the Lord for understanding. We should not lean on ourselves for our own understanding, but the understanding of the Spirit. And after I started filling out my mission papers, since I have 10 tattoos, I have to document that. But I got my tattoos way before I joined the church. But when I first joined the church, I got dirty looks because I had tattoos. But in, but in the church, you have, have tattoos as long as you don't get them while you're a member of the church. But if you get a tattoo while you're a member, you have to go through repentance with your bishop or whoever your leader is. And this past two two weeks ago, we had a state conference and Elder Bassett from the 70 and his wife was able to come and talk about stuff that the state needed to hear as a whole. And he was telling us about how it took the toll out of President Nelson to get over to the conference center to record his talk because of the pain he was in from his entry. And that related to me because me being a person of SSA, it's okay to have pains, but 
I know that I can rely on the Lord and the Spirit to help me guide through guide me through these pains that I feel like that I can't overcome myself, but I can overcome with the Lord's help and the um help of the spirit because the spirit is our constant companion and the Lord will never leave our side. Some church members might leave our side due to things that they don't agree with us on. But at the end of the day, we are all disciples of Jesus Christ and we are part of the church for a reason to hopefully get to the celestial kingdom of heaven once we pass away. And I think it's a good thing we have three kingdoms of heaven because before I joined the church, I always knew there was a heaven and a hell. But now, since I realized there's three kingdoms of heaven, I feel better that I can have a chance to get to a celestial kingdom if I stay celibate my whole life. And I was talking to my state president last Sunday about what happens, not not last Sunday, but when we had state conference, I was like, what happens if I find someone that I want to date and marry? He said, by your example in the church, the adversary will not do that to you. And if he does, is to lean on the Lord and attend the temple and keep a Christ-like mind when stuff like that happens or might happen in the future. And being SSA has been a struggle and a half for me, but as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I know I have a spot in this church and tons of people that are like SSA, SSA like me, I know I can relate to them and if I have questions, I can reach out to them if I need to talk to them about anything. And it's good to have support outside of where you live at because where I live, it's very anti-LGBT, but in some areas, it's not anti-LGBT. But North Carolina has a small way of people being LDS, but that's changing because now we're getting a temple in Charlotte, North Carolina, which that will open up a lot of doors for people that drive from Charlotte to Raleigh to the temple. And I hope one day a temple will come to my area so my world doesn't have to drive two and a half hours to the temple to do ordinances for the epoxy endowments and stuff like that. And a, being a member of the church, I've also done family history, which that's very amazing to do. At first, I didn't know what family history was until I joined the church. And I have like eight or 10 generations done in my family tree, which that was that was a lot of stuff to do. But I've got 20 or 30 names ready to take to the temple to do proxy work. I was able to do one of my family names on my dad's side. I was able to do my dad's dad, but in the future, I hope I can do my dad that passed away in 2014 due to cancer. But when I did a family name for my dad's dad, I felt very emotionally, emotionally attached to him when I was going to the temple because I felt the spirit tell me he will accept the gospel and don't worry and everything will be all right. Lord, Sean, thank you so much for just opening your heart and bravely sharing your story. Um, you're really brave. You're really faithful. You're really strong. Um, a church is better, a better church with you in it and the gifts and contributions. And I love you being open with some of the difficult experiences you've had and some of the positive experiences you've had. And I think you recognized when you joined the gospel of Jesus Christ, you um, you didn't join a church that's perfect, but you did join a church that, you know, 
has the restored gospel. Um, some of the things I wrote down, listeners, was um, I loved your where you go to the temple um, and how that can be um, just such a positive experience for you, where we're all the same. There's no judgment. I love you know your endowment, and I you know as a I'm 62 listeners, and I've gone to the temple a lot. I guess I'm in my lifetime. I don't know how many times, but I don't. It, to hear it through your eyes is interesting um, because you have no experience. Um, but even things like the artwork and how that was just so striking to you and beautiful, but you recognize that you needed to focus on what you're learning on the endowment. But it was this beautiful artwork that I'm not sure if anybody told you there'd be beautiful artwork in the temple. And there it was. And, and then going through the veil and knowing and having a worker help you go through the veil. And then going to the celestial room, you know, after the veil and finding your missionary there. And um, that's an experience I'll bet neither of you forget for the rest of your lives is to be in the celestial room and that wonderful spirit there um, with the missionary that helped you join the church. And just the way you talk about the temple, um, it's one of the themes of your whole podcast, Sean, is the role of the temple in your life. Um, from early on after you joined the church, we had the chance to baptize people to, you know, now going consistently and receiving your own endowment and going, I think, close to, you know, two dozen times what you told me ahead of time and your desire to have a closer temple so you can go more frequently. I love that. I do love the way you navigated difficult experiences um, being SSA and in the church people because it's often seen as a political issue. You get in the crosshairs of that. It's sometimes our people bring our political ideology around topics to church and aren't aware of what even the church is teaching on a subject or the kind, thoughtful comments about SSA members that are on the church's website. So that's a call for all of us to be informed of what the church is saying so that we can um, do better. Elder Ballard, who passed away this week, Famous quote is, we need to listen to what our LGBTQ brothers are experiencing. We have to do better in the past to make sure everybody feels a spiritual home. Um, I'm paraphrasing that, but he talked directly to us as members of the church, what our responsibility is to wonderful people like you, Sean, to help you feel welcome and needed and belonging. And so I admire you kind of navigating through the sometimes difficult experiences, but the grounding you have in the temple. I admire you being open in social media about being SSA and sort of owning that part about you in a way that you came out on social media, you came out to your ward and some would say, well, why come out? And you can answer this, but a lot of my guests say it's because I I want to know if people know this about me, if they'll still love me and if I'm still welcome here. And I don't. I want to be authentic to who I am because this is how God created me, and it's not a mistake. It's not evil to be SSA. It's just how God has created you, and it's not a. It's just the same as being created straight, but it makes it more complicated. But I've always felt everybody needs to look in the mirror and feel how they're created is as intended. No one should look in the mirror and and conclude falsely that they're a mistake. And God's displeased in them just because of how they feel. I think listeners know the church teaches that sexual orientation is not a choice. And it's not something we should ask people to change or demand they change. This is who you are, Sean. You want to talk any more about why you came out? Because it's kind of brave of you to come out. Um, you could have stayed closeted. <laughs> um, do you want to talk more about why you just felt it was the right thing to do to come out? So. So, the day that I posted on social media on July 4th, the spirit was like, you need to do this, because it will be the, the right thing for you to do. Because before I did that, I felt very depressed and anxious and didn't want to do anything that might show a sign. So, I just decided to let it all out. And now... Since I'm out, I feel a lot better in all aspects, all aspects, all aspects of my life. Um, that's a great answer. Do you, 
Can you, do you know why you felt depressed and anxious? De- anxious is kind of a feeling about the future. Depressed is kind of how we feel today. Talk, do you know why you felt depressed and anxious around this and why that lifted when you came out? Um, so, because I heard some stories about people being closeted in the church and how they had a hard time with them not being out of the closet, but as they came out of the closet, they felt better. And I know there were some stories I read that there were some LGBT members that committed suicide in the church because of them being SSA and and that to me made me think should I post on social media or should I not? And the spirit confirmed to me that I needed to share on social media about my identity. And are you glad you did it? Or could do you wish you could go back and undo it? I'm happy I did it. I feel like a new person since I was able to post on social media who I am as a person and as a disciple disciple of Jesus Christ. I thought you'd answer it that way. Um, yeah, listeners, I, I love that this whole story, Sean, is you being led by the Spirit. Um, this is, a, you know, just a wonderful story of consistently, I, Sean Stansbury, want to be led by the Spirit and what I should do. And I like Nephi 4, 6, not knowing beforehand how it's all going to work out. Um, but just you, just like Nephi, felt impressed to walk into spaces, spirit-led, not knowing exactly how it's going to work out. And the last two years for you have been incredible in the sense of change, in the sense of you being brave. You've joined the church and all that comes with that. Um you know, you're comfortable. I'm putting words in your mouth. I think you're probably pretty comfortable being in the temple. You know what's going to happen there. And um, I think, listeners, you kind of go through stages in the temple where you kind of get used to the mechanics. So really the experience can impress upon your hearts because you're not just trying to figure out what's going on. And maybe that beautiful artwork you can even take in. But um, your decision to come out, I love the way you answered that. You said the Spirit said it was time to do that. And so I just think, and then the fruits of that decision for you, this isn't mean everybody needs to come out, but the fruits of that decision for you is I just felt better. I didn't feel depressed. I didn't feel anxious. Um, I knew people would love me. Obviously people love you and they know this about you. And for a lot of people that can just bring a lot of peace in their lives I use this quote sometimes, listeners, from Brene Brown. Fitting in is assessing a situation and becoming who you need to be in order to be accepted. Belonging, on the other hand, doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who they, we are. And uh, my comment here is many LGBTQ members or SSA members exhaust themselves trying to fit in. Belonging allows our... SSA members to be who they are and accepted who they are. Coming out usually isn't about leaving the church. It's about being authentic, helping to belong in our wards, families. So you're really brave to come out um, and wondering how that would work. And you're really brave to be on this podcast because a lot of people listen to this. And um, But your story will help them, Sean. You're brave to serve a mission. And I think this is your pattern is you just, like Nephi in 4.6, not knowing exactly how this is going to work out. And you're working on your papers. Um, you're working on all the medical stuff, which sometimes takes time. You're wondering how this is going to work out. Um, but I think if we, I just admire your courage to kind of walk into the fog and say, I feel impressed to do this, and I don't quite know everything, how it's going to work out, but I'm just going to kind of take the next step on this road, and I have faith that I will continue to know how to navigate this. And even your post-mission life with college and wondering how it works being SSA as a Latter-day Saint, how that works out in your 
post-mission, you may wonder that, but I just, I trust you to know that you're close enough to the Spirit that you'll continue to know how to walk these roads. But I think you're setting down, I'm not trying to be your bishop here, your some like know-it-all, but I just think the principles that you're establishing in your life and the pattern you're establishing in your life gives you the ability to live the rest of your life. These last two years, I think you'll look back and say those two years, you know, and, and the next two years on your mission will be the platform for the rest of your mission, for the rest of your life. And it just shows the courage you have and um, the spirit-led life you have. And yeah, tattoos, you know, uh, the, I'm not sure, to be honest, the church requires you, if you are a member, to repent of getting tattoos. Uh, maybe somebody's kind of said that or inferred that the way. And I recognize you need to let people know what tattoos you have on as part of a mission. But I think our church is moving a little more towards, you know, just principles-based and versus checklist-based. So. This isn't mean get tattoos, listeners, or don't get tattoos. It just means create space for people, um, how they feel best to navigate that space. Um, I know some really faithful, wonderful Latter-day Saints that have tats. Cruz Soto was in our YSA ward, and he joined the church just like you do. He had, I can't remember the number of listeners, but he had 24 tats, and roughly, and then 25th tat was his favorite scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants, and he showed me where it was, and I said, Cruz, I'm not, I, I don't, I said, I just love you, brother, and if you feel that is helpful for you to get a tat, you already had done it, um, I support you, and I think he said that was going to be his last tat. Um, it's just a unique story. He just felt like that was part of his journey and part of his culture to document his life in that way. I remember him telling me when he went to do baptisms for the dead, I said, I was curious because his tats are visible. And he said, yeah, I got mean mugged a couple times. And that was his language for, you're smiling, Sean, just some temple workers that sort of mean mugged him because he's all tatted up. And I hope we don't mean mug anybody because of tats or anything. Um, it's just who they are. Um, and we just create a, I think we're trying to get past this checklist way of seeing each other, um, as tats or no tats, straight or SSA. Um, and we're just trying to see people the way you kind of talk about, we see people in the temple as just, we're all the same. We're all children of loving heavenly parents. And so that's not a an invitation to get tats or not to get tats. It's just an invitation to love people and recognize some Credible, faithful Latter-day Saints are going to have tats, and we shouldn't look at them as second-class Latter-day Saints, or even those tats sometimes are really special to them and um, uh, create stories of important things in their life. And culturally, in some cultures in the church, tats are very um, a normalized part of culture, and I recognize there's different cultures within our faith, and it's okay to sort of have different cultures and not just take one culture and say that's the way it should be worldwide. I think we're trying to really embrace local cultures and the gospel principles that bring us together in the church. Um, now I've talked too much. Do you have more things you'd like to share, Sean? I think as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we need to be more inclusive of how LGBT members of the church go about their testimony and how they feel in the church and how the how the spirit is guiding them and from, since being a member I notice a lot of members I know focus more on church policy than church doctrine and me as a member I focus on church doctrine because the church was built on church doctrine, not church policy. But I did hear that church policy can change over time with the stuff that's going on in the world and the more issues that are going is going on in the world and what's going on with politics and all of that stuff. So I hope one day everybody will be able to get married in a temple and 
it would be good for the church to lead in that direction. I like hearing your hopes and listeners. I think it's good for everybody to be able to be safe to hear someone's hopes. And even if people's hopes include changes in policy, I think that's okay. I think we're could be strong enough as a church to recognize yeah, we're going to have different feelings about the future of their church. And I, for me, the line in the sand is if we um, say I don't support the leaders or I know more than the leaders or something is wrong or I'm moving, move, forming movement to change things, that's kind of where the line in the sand for me is. But if somebody opens up about their hopes for the future of the church and even possible policy changes, uh, let's sit with them and say, I'm just glad you're here and I'm glad that you're sharing how you feel about the future. And I think we could do that and still be united in the gospel of Jesus Christ and um, united in helping others. So I appreciate you being honest with some of your hopes, Sean, for the future. And um, recognize the courage it takes to be a member of the church when some of your feelings about the future of the church don't exactly line up where we are right now. I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit, but um, I think we there may be um, lots of Latter-day Saints that um, have hopes about the future of our church that aren't where we are currently. And let's just honor people's individual feelings. Maybe 10 years ago, people hoped that women could witness ordinances in the temple um, and opened up to somebody about that hope. And I hope if somebody had done that, we would have said, well, um, I honor your hope. That's a wonderful thought you have. And and perhaps that would change in the church and women can witness ordinances in the temple or um, a baptism and lo and behold, it changed. So things can change in the church. I think it's just if we like say this is going to change or I know more than God. I don't, I, I know more than our leaders. Um, I think we just let change occur through the normal process. And we don't know God's will and we're not a leader in the church. And so we honor the process for changes. Are you okay with what I just said, Sean? Yes. Okay. So you're brave, you're honest, you're open. Our church is better for you. It's a remarkable story of what you've accomplished over the last several years. You're brave, you're courageous. We're so much better off for you. And I think you'll be a terrific missionary. And I think you'll reach people that um, no one else can reach because of your, your own experience. I know when I had a few converts as companions on my mission, they often balanced me as somebody who wasn't a convert. And sometimes they'd say, well, you just grew up in this church. And my convert companions could say, no, actually, I didn't. I joined the church. And this is how my life is different from joining the church. And they'd kind of sit up straight in their chair and go, hmm, maybe I should listen a little bit more. So you have this beautiful experience, Sean, where you've were not raised in the church, and now you are, and you can talk about, just like you've done in this podcast, what the church, how it's blessed your life, and the peace particularly you feel in the temple, and doing temple work, or I believe your grandfather, your father's father, and how much that meant to you. So this is a terrific young man, really brave and thoughtful, and um, you have a great life ahead of you. So um, anything else you want to say, or we'll just close? One thing about family history, uh, so one thing I found out about family history, there's a thing called relative finder at BYU. Does, and I was able to find out I was related to a lot of movie stores and presidents and people of the church, and I'm related to Joseph Fielding Smith and Joseph Smith, and I thought that was cool. And I encourage everyone to do family history work and do proxy work in the temple for your ancestors because the more we do temple work, the more we can get our ancestors on in the celestial kingdom of heaven. And I hope one day the church will allow people to lean on others for support and guidance but mainly we need to lean on the lean on the spirit and jesus and the scriptures and 
I really like Doctrine and Covenants on how it's laid out and the revelations that were revealed in DNC. To me, I think that's true revelation that we need to follow this day and time along with President's, President Nelson's revelation that he received from God and the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Sean Stansbury. Um, great job. Honored to have you on the podcast. And this sh- we'll link um, to your Facebook and Instagram, your social media, in case anybody wants to find you and um, message you. And, and I think you're on Twitter, so we'll link to all three of those platforms in the show notes if you want to connect with Sean. But Sean Stansbury from um, Newburgh, New Bern. North Carolina. Great job on the podcast and we'll sign off another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love. 